0: Hey, it's Stephen Henderson. Today on the podcast, we're going to hear from a conservative writer about his worry about the UAW strikes against the Detroit automaker. Stephen DeLee, who is the labor policy director for the Mackinac Center for Public Policy, says that the UAW might be driving the big three off a cliff. Stephen, welcome to Detroit Today.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: So you wrote in the National Review that, quote, if the United Auto Workers succeed, In getting their way, it's possible that the big three may shrink to the point of irrelevance if not fade altogether. That's really strong language and a a dire prognostication about what could happen here. Uh, Tell me why you think that's
1: true. Sure. Well, to be clear, it's perfectly reasonable what the UAW is asking for. I think the issue is that the UAW's demands are looking backwards. They're looking at record profits and there were record profits. They're looking at the concessions they gave up in 2009 uh, during the Great Recession and they're looking at record CEO compensation and saying we we want a piece of that, essentially. And that's a reasonable position to take. But when you look towards the future, which I think a lot of the automakers are, and you look at the transition into a purely EV market, given the profit, the lack of profits so far in that sector, that could be a very, very dangerous combination. So, when we talk about what the UAW
0: sacrificed during the strikes and what they've been asked to sacrifice while the auto companies did very well coming out of those strikes, I mean, really record years of car production, uh, high high profits for, for all of them, and the fact that the folks at the top of the business also benefited from all of that. I mean, we saw a real explosion in executive pay over that time. Why, why should the UAW not, even, even though, as you point out, that's looking in the rearview mirror and looking forward, the picture is not quite as certain, why should the UAW be asked to sacrifice even more than they already have?
1: Well, I think the question is, is this a situation where the UAW has to be careful what they wish for? Um, So, an example would be uh, one of the talking points that has gone around a lot is the top compensation for the three CEOs has gone up 40%. And the UAW's initial demand was 40%. Mm -hmm. Now, That makes sense until you start running the numbers. Right. So the the CEOs of each of the big three make roughly between 20 and 25 million a year, depending on who you're talking to. So a 40 percent raise on that for easy math is about 10 million dollars. Well, if you apply a 40 percent raise across the board to the UAW's 150,000 odd members, that's three and a half billion dollars. And so while the demand itself is reasonable from that kind of a perspective, when you apply it to the scale, it becomes much more of an existential issue for the companies themselves. And if the companies don't exist, these jobs don't exist. So you've really got to balance that.
0: So, so how real in your mind is the threat that the companies won't exist? We hear them say that frequently when they are negotiating with the UAW. Uh, are, they, are they crying wolf here, or is there a real possibility that, they, that one or more of them might have to go away?
1: Well, this is a prediction, but it's based on the data that we've seen so far. So take Ford this year, for example. They lost $4.5 billion in their EV sector. So yes, they were profitable, no question on that but it wasn't in the ev sector that everybody's transitioning That's growing, to. yes. yes. so when you have that situation as we get fewer and fewer gas powered vehicles and more and more electric unless people start buying electric cars and unless manufacturers can make them at a profitable price then there is no more manufacturer.
0: and and if i mean if the uaw were to settle for something less uh, less than forty percent, I, I think uh, a, a reasonable guess is that they will have to settle for less than forty percent, but maybe they get 20 or thirty. Um 20 is already on the table at some of the companies. Uh, does that pose the same, does that pose the same danger to the companies? In your view, is a 20 or thirty percent raise going to jeopardize the stability?
1: Well, it's possible, Um, but the fact that 20% raises are on the table suggests that the companies who have much more data than I do um, have concluded that they can still survive on that. Um, My big issue is if the EV market doesn't succeed, then even the 20% is a threat. Clearly whoever is on the company's bargaining teams has concluded that no, 20% uh, will allow us to survive in an EV market.
0: Uh, You know, in some ways. One of the problems that I have uh, with with what's gone on over the last few years is, again, the way the companies have behaved coming out of bankruptcy. There's no question that a lot of people made big sacrifices uh, to help get them through that, not just the workers, but uh, all Americans. I mean, there was an incredible bailout that was uh, unfolded for two of the automakers. Uh, uh, Coming out of that, they did things like increase executive pay. Uh, there there have been some stock buybacks uh, things that don't benefit workers for sure and in many ways don't even uh, don't uh, don't benefit uh, your average taxpayer uh, in some ways the companies asked for this it seems and I, I guess it, it's hard to it's hard to see that that given that they might't Essentially, get away with it, right? Uh, having done all those things, and now crying, you know, uh, crying broke really about the possibility of making up for those things. There's something there's something unjust about that, isn't there?
1: Well, I certainly understand that point, and I think that's part of why the UAW's position is understandable, even though I don't think the market can support it. At the same time, there was that period there following the Great Recession where the companies were profitable, where they were doing these buybacks. And these negotiations could have happened during that time before we started moving into this new era of, of automotive change. That's when these negotiations would have been successful. But now, because there was a corruption scandal, a 10-year delay from the Great Recession, they're trying to make up for lost time, essentially, and... I think that door is is closed, if, or closing, or if not already closed.
0: Yeah. Uh, what do you make of the possibility for these companies in the future? I mean, we're talking about the losses they're sustaining in EV, but that's not terribly surprising. I mean, any new technology is going to require investment before it pays off in in profit. Uh, f- from your perspective, is this an investment that will? payoff before the companies go broke trying to chase it. I mean, and that's always a big question when you, when you're doing
1: something like this. I mean, do you sink the ship uh, trying to turn it around? Well, I think uh, Jim Farley put it well, which is that co- consumers still aren't adopting this technology yet. They have fear about charging. Here in Michigan, we have cold weather. EVs don't work as well in cold weather. The infrastructure isn't there. Secretary Granholm's recent road trip shows the problems with the charging networks. So can they right the ship? Possibly. But I think the the actual product needs to be better. The market hasn't indicated that people actually want what's being built right now. Maybe they want what's built in the future, but that's got to come pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, again,
0: three one three five seven seven one zero one nine is the number here on the phones. That's three one three five seven seven one zero one nine. You can also go to Twitter, hashtag Detroit today, and we can work you into the conversation. Let's go to Munir in Detroit. Munir, welcome to Detroit today.
2: Good morning, Stephen. Hey. Um. I well, I was going to speak to it. To something else, but I'm gonna speak to this. Number one, I think it's unfair for the auto industries to claim like, oh, we're, uh, that EVs are not as profitable. Yeah, they're not profitable because infrastructure isn't set up properly, which the government is pushing a plan to use taxpayer a lot of taxpayer money to do that in the future. And then also, yes, in comparability in comparability to what uh, gas-powered cars uh, offer the customer now. Yeah, the customer's not buying it right now. Uh, they're not buying EVs right now, but we're like, make no mistake, we're going to transition to a full EV economy. Mm-hmm. So uh, the, the sales will be there uh, in the future. Now, the structure of the industry will definitely look uh, totally different. But it's unfair for them to use that cop out as if uh, we're not undergoing a massive shift that will essentially produce profits. Yeah. Um, so uh, another thing too is that. Uh, again to reiterate what you were saying coming out of that uh restructuring uh from the uh, from the uh the uh the, the fall of the you know the the the, bankruptcies, uh, the recession right. yeah. the bankruptcy yeah um they 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 didn't deal with their people in good faith. So there's a culture of greed um in this nation that we have that we're we're gonna have to come to terms with one way or the other where Big corporations use legislation, their power to back uh, uh, mostly conservative or Republican um, uh, politicians to push uh, uh, legislation that that gives them extreme tax breaks um, that negatively affect how the average person um, lives their life uh, in regards to defunding schools, health care, all of these things. So um, it's bigger than just this uh, particular situation. It, it is, um,
0: uh, Muneer. I don't want to cut you off, but I do want to give uh, Stephen Dolea a chance to, 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 respond. And we're we're running a little short on time here. Uh, uh, Stephen, I, I, I got to say what what Muneer's saying makes tons of sense. That um, uh, this is the way the industry has behaved is reflected in other places as well. And that's part of the frustration I think you see on the picket lines, that this is not just about uh, arguing with the Detroit automakers, it is arguing with, uh, with capitalists. Uh, how, do we, how do we make that right? Uh, not just in this case, but other places.
1: Well, that's a broad question, so I'll try and try and use the automakers as the focus for it. But at the end of the day, if the automakers don't survive, The UAW has a very tough time ahead of it. I mean, we have 150,000 members strong right there. If you lose Stellantis... Ford, and GM, what happens to those jobs? And I think Sean Fain recognizes this. A lot of what's being negotiated right now are job protections, mm-hmm. are the right to strike over plant closures. I think everybody's really nervous about this transition, and justifiably so, when you're losing money on every EV sold. So yes, I understand that there's some arguments about fairness and what was given up and, and justice, but at the end of the day, is it is it better to get 40% now and not have a job three years from now? Or is it better to take 20% or 25% and have and a job for workers. generations? Yeah. yeah. Uh,
0: we, we have another caller that I'm not going to put on the air because we're, we're running short on time, but I do want to get that question out there. This is someone asking about the subsidies that, e- that the companies will get to make EVs profitable. Yet again, taxpayers helping them out. Uh, that eliminates a lot of that worry and maybe erases some of the excuses that the automakers have.
1: I actually have a different perspective on that. I'd say the subsidies are the, are one of the biggest sources of the problem. Um, I But think they all,
0: will be there, almost certainly, correct?
1: Well, it depends on who's in office. Yeah. Um, I think it comes and goes depending on who's in. But at the end of the day, subsidies are taken from the taxpayer and distort market signals. Um, I think that's why we're seeing such a fast transition is because all of this government money is there. If it came from people, if ordinary you and I – are demanding EVs, I'd be a lot less concerned about the future of the big three.
0: Okay, uh, Stephen DeLee, Director of Labor Policy at the Mackinac Center for Public Policy. Great to have you here in the studio to hear your perspective on uh, this labor stoppage at the Detroit Automakers. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Okay, that's going to do it for us today. Tune in tomorrow when we will have more great programming for you here on the show. Also, if you like the show and enjoy listening, should be sharing it with uh, your friends and your neighbors and your family, anyone who you think would enjoy it and be a great member of the community that we're building here at WDET and on Detroit Today. Detroit Today is produced by Sam Corey and Nick Austin. Our technical director and engineer is Matthew Trevethan. The assistant producer for our podcast is Maddie Boyer. Detroit Today's music is created by Sam Bobian and Will Sessions. We'll see you next time on the Detroit Today podcast.